Good morning and welcome to worship today. It is good to see you on the second Sunday of this new year and the second Sunday of Ordinary Time. Uh, my name is Doug Brower. I'm pastor. Uh, my colleague in ministry is Sam Jurfee, and together we welcome you uh, to this time of worship together. If you are visiting with us, uh, welcome, and we would like to get to know uh, who you are in just a minute. I have one announcement before uh, we do that. Uh, uh, I think I have this uh, in writing, as a matter of fact. Uh, I learned today that a short-term work permit, seven months, has been uh, issued we, we were uh, concerned about this, but a short-term uh, work permit has been issued for our interim pastor. Uh, as some of you may have heard, since there are no secrets in the church, uh, council members interviewed two candidates for uh, interim pastor, and both of them were named Steve, which uh, made things easier. And uh, the, the Steve, who has 10 years of experience in walking with churches, uh, through their interim times, was selected to come to Zurich. And so Steve will be with us two weeks from today, January 28, and you will have uh, the opportunity to, to meet him then. Steve Litch, and I know you're going to go right to Google and uh, find out who he is. Uh, several of you have done that, but uh, the name is Steve Litch, and he will be with us in two weeks. Now, if you are visiting with us today or here uh, back after a long time away, we would love to uh, welcome you. If you would be willing to stand and uh, tell us your name and what country you are from, uh, we love to ooh and ah over uh, the depth and breadth of the church in the world today. Oh, and uh, one of our uh, ushers will come over with a microphone so that we can hear you. Good morning. I'm uh, Jacqueline. I'm from Holland, and I'm... Uh here for this weekend uh, visiting my friend Crystal. We're so glad. Welcome. Hi, we're Robin and Danny Hall, and we've moved here from California, the United States. Um, and we've moved here permanently, so yay! Wow. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here. I love the word permanent. Anyone else? Uh, if not, then um, Richard Couples, a member of our church's uh, council or governing board, has some announcements for us today. Good morning. It's also my pleasure to welcome you here today. I have quite a few announcements. So the first one, as always, is please make sure your cell phones are turned off or at least switched to silent. Also, uh, the prayer team will be available after the service near the piano to pray with you if you have a need or if there's a joy you want to share. Uh, today, uh, there'll be the book stall uh, at the coffee hour in the Methodist Hall. So please make an effort to, to uh, browse the books. And the profits for this naturally go to charity. So, and you'll find a great selection and a lot of people put a lot of work into it. So please take the time to, to have a look. Uh, Next week, yes, next week, is the annual congregational meeting. So that's uh, Sunday the 21st, uh, after the service in the Methodist Hall. Uh, Childcare and a light lunch will be provided, and more information will be sent to you. Uh, members should receive a little booklet, and uh, if you haven't already received it, you should receive it soon. So this is really, really important in the life of our church. It's our, our annual meeting where we all get together and we agree as a church how the church should be, should be run in the com coming year. So I would, anyone who is a member, I really encourage you to come along, and it's important we have a, a quorum for, for that meeting. 
Next announcement is the music survey. So this is still ongoing. If you have not, have not yet taken part and would like to, uh, please submit your email to the office and uh, they, can, they will give you instructions on how to take part. And please note the deadline for this is January the 23rd. And uh, thank you to all who have uh, taken part already. The feedback's been really, really good and there's been a, a big participation for that. We're really thankful. Uh, now I'm going to invite Robbie Del Corso uh, to make an announcement about the men's retreat. Morning, everyone. Just, I uh, wanted to say a couple of words about the men's retreat, but before I do that, can I ask the ladies and ladies only, take your left hand and put it on your right shoulder. Take your right hand, put it on the left shoulder. Please give yourselves a big hug, because from me as an apology, I'm about to speak to all the men now. So, <laughs> so guys... I just wanted to invite you to the men's retreat on the 3rd of February, information in the bulletin. But just to give you a bit of background, what we're going to look at and discuss is we're going to have a look at lead like Jesus. So effectively, we're going to look at the life of Jesus and break it down and see how did Jesus live and lead from a perspective of leadership. And in terms of that, we're going to then have a look and say, well, okay, how can we apply it? And what can we learn from our own lives? And I know some of you guys are thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm not a leader and maybe it's not for me. I'd like to challenge you with a slightly different definition of leadership in terms of think about leadership as any time you want to influence the thinking, behavior, or development of another person. So in essence, we're all leaders, whether it's in the family, in the church, in your workplace, anyone around you. So I'm hoping to see you all there. Information in the bulletin on the 3rd of February, as I said, 9 o'clock. And yeah, hope to see you all there. Don't forget, please register at the church's office so we know how many people are coming. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, another good reason to come, lunch is being provided by Praveen and Chris. So please come and join us. Thank you, Thank you Robbie. Uh, next, uh, I invite uh, Holger Heinrichs forward uh, for an announcement about uh, Christian startups. Yeah, good morning. Thank you. Uh, I have actually bad news. There is a lack of Christian entrepreneurs in Switzerland, but I have also good news. We want to change this. And we want to change this uh, in March with um, starting on the weekend, March 16th to 18th, to gather 20 to 30 Christians to work on business ideas. And um, we have a website now, live and running. It's called christianstartupnetwork.ch. And I have flyers with me, and I'm also in the coffee hour later to answer all your questions. And um, it would be great if you help spreading this word to yeah, have a lot of people participating in this uh, event in March. Thank you. Let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
join cult worship. We come to you in prayer, Lord. We come to you with gifts of worship, Lord. Please stand if you can and sign, sing hymn number 374. Please remain standing for the prayer of confession. You know, it's an extraordinary thing we do when we confess our sin. It's difficult to imagine any other place in our lives where we would uh, dare to do this, to admit uh, to ourselves, to the people around us, to God, that our lives are not as they should be. And we do this knowing that God stands ready to forgive each and every one of us, stands with arms outstretched to receive us. Let us pray. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him 
and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear our repentance. Listen to these wonderful words of pardon. We do not make requests of God because we are righteous, but because of God's great mercy. The Lord will listen. The Lord will forgive. The Lord has heard and acted for your sake. Our God has not delayed. In our repentance, we are forgiven. Amen. Vanessa and Kai and your family, Philip and Bree, would you join us here at the front of the church? Today we have the privilege of baptizing Oliver Kai Bischoff. And as most of you know, <clears throat> this church brings together several different Christian traditions, and so we come with different understandings of important Christian teachings like baptism, and uh, we do our best in a church like this to honor each other's choices and, and beliefs. Uh, today we baptize a baby. Other days, uh, as you know, we have dedicated babies or we have baptized adults. Uh, so whether we baptize or dedicate, uh, whether we sprinkle or immerse, and we have done it uh, every way, in this church, the promises we make, and you have heard me say this before, the promises we make are very, very similar. In both situations, in dedicating and baptizing, uh, we take on, as members of the church, we take on an important responsibility to raise a child in the faith. 
So our hope for Oliver, uh, when he reaches adulthood, is that he will want to embrace the faith that his parents are passing along to him uh, today. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make nations of all, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Obeying the words of our Lord Jesus, of our Lord Jesus and sure of his presence with us, we baptize those whom he has called to be his own. Know that the promises of God are for you and your children by baptism. God puts his sign to, on us to show that we belong to God and gives us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that sharing Christ's reconciling work, we will also share his victory. That dying with Christ to sin, we will be raised with him to new life. Kai and Vanessa, in presenting Oliver for baptism, you are announcing your own faith in Jesus Christ, and you are demonstrating that you want Oliver to study him and know him, to love him and serve him as his chosen disciple. And so I want to ask you the three questions of baptism. First, who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ. Do you trust in him? Yes. And finally, do you intend to Oliver to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love. Yes. And now as the congregation, we also get to participate in this wonderful event, and I would ask that you would all please stand. <clears throat> to the congregation of IPC, our Lord Jesus Christ commanded each or commanded us to teach those who are baptized. Do you, the people of this church, promise to tell Oliver the good news of the gospel, to help him know all that Christ commands, and by your fellowship, love, and grace, to strengthen him, his family ties with the household of God? If so, please all say, we will. We will. As you remain standing, I would invite you all to open your hymnals to page 14, where we might recite the Apostles' Creed together. We'll be reciting the ecumenical version, the second on the page. Please read with me. I believe in God, God the, Father, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated.
I would invite you all to please join me in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the water of baptism. For in it we are buried with Christ in his death. From it we are raised to share in his resurrection. Through it we are reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Pour out your spirit upon us and upon this water, we pray. That this font may be your womb of new birth. May all who now pass through these waters be delivered from death to life, from bondage to freedom, from sin to righteousness. Bind them to the household of faith. Guard them from all evil. Strengthen them to serve you with joy until the day you make all things new. To you be all praise, honor, and glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Oliver, do you think you'll come to me? Yeah? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh. No? Okay. Kai and Vanessa, what name have you given to this young man? Oliver Kai. Oliver Kai Bischoff. Oh. <laughs> Child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you take a little walk with me? <laughs> I would like to introduce to you... the newest member of this household of faith, see what love the Father has that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Thank you. <laughs> Philip and Bree Lassiter have taken on the responsibility of being godparents, and I think that uh, Philip has a, a couple of verses to read for us today. For the occasion of Oliver's baptism, we've selected uh, a few readings from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, Proverbs chapter 3, and then a brief excerpt from Paul's letter to the Colossians. The passages that we have chosen for Oliver are all about divine wisdom, the wisdom of God which various biblical texts describe in their own ways. A consistent emphasis is that this wisdom should be sought as part of what makes a human life properly human and a Christian life properly Christian. In Proverbs 2, a mentor tells a pupil that seeking divine wisdom should be what orients the pupil's entire life and that God will provide his wisdom to and enable understanding for those who submit their lives to God. Not long afterward, the same mentor connects this same divine wisdom to the setup of the creation, to the setup of the created order itself. Pursuing this wisdom as a treasure is what should have first place for this pupil. Pulling from the same line of thought about divine wisdom, Paul connects it to Christ in Colossians 1, associating Christ with creation, with the setup of the created order and the reconciliation of it, so that Christ has first place. In baptism, we are united with Christ, with the wisdom of God, to whom our lives belong forever. So from Proverbs 2, we read, My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, 
If you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk blamelessly, guarding the paths of justice and preserving the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds drip with dew. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. We chose these verses for Oliver because it is our prayer for him that as he grows up in Christ's church and as he matures in his faith that he'll seek God's divine wisdom first and foremost in his life. And um, in doing so, we pray that he finds fulfillment and belonging and the peace that can only come from being a child of God. I would like to sing something for, all, for this occasion. And Philip, uh, Brie, and I, we have not talked about what I'm going to sing and what they are going to choose from the Bible. But it's also taken um, from the thought of that if you, as the members of this church, are see uh, searching for God, then um, he will be able and he, he will make himself available to, uh, to be found. So the, the text that I'm singing is from Jeremiah 29, verse 13 and 14.
Sunday school, this would be a good time for our children to leave. Today, Old Testament reading is from Proverbs chapter 16, 16, verses 1 to 8. You may find it on the page 650. To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's way seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's way, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. This is the word of the Lord.
Please open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4. For our second scripture reading, we will be reading the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 4. Please read with me. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattering seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word, and some of the people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still, others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've titled this sermon this morning, Accept It. And we'll see why. Um, and I just want to say thank you to all involved in the baptismal service, as well as all of you. I think when we see something like that in the life and body of the church, it just makes us excited. It makes us happy. It makes us happy to hear wisdom from the Proverbs and to hear songs of Scripture being sung and to see young lives being dedicated to Christ. And I chose this passage this morning not knowing that it would sort of fit in very well with all of these things happening, but because God put it on my heart as something that's been very impactful to me recently. Mark's gospel is a little shorter than others, like Doug talked about last week. And it begins and ends with this violent tearing of heaven and the curtain in the Holy of Holies. And Mark has a great way of describing things, I think, that are sometimes very simple. But in this passage we have a parable, and there's not many of them in Mark. And so I want to go through and discuss this parable and and hopefully give you eyes to see it maybe in a new way. And if not a new way, to encourage you to see it again, that it might speak truth and wisdom to your life. 
So in verses 1 to 2, we see that Jesus was teaching. And it was so crowded that he got away from shore in a boat. Just like a little natural amphitheater. And he, and he teaches a, a very familiar analogy to the people about agriculture, about sowing seeds, something that all would understand. Sort of a, a, a greatest hit that Jesus goes back to over and over when preaching in the countryside. And as it happens, he gives this scene that many of us would even understand today. In verse 4, he says that, you know, some, as the farmer is sowing his seed and scattering the seed, some of it falls on the path. And birds come up and snatch it up. And this happens, okay. And then also near the edges of fields, as we see walking around and in places, there's this area next to the path and where it doesn't quite really grow well, but kind of gets tangled up and some might make it through. And he says that, you know, these people shoot up, but then are scorched by the sun. And then in verse 7, that, uh, that even though it's a bit odd that this farmer's field contains thorns, um, the, the, the seed that grows there is choked out. And though it grows, it never grows to produce fruit or to produce grain. And then in verse 8, we see the payoff, the good seed. Some 60, some 30, some 100-fold. And he says to the people, consider it, hear it, hear this parable. And now we are familiar with it. We are lucky enough to look and see that Jesus explains it. But consider yourself in that crowd that day. Jesus has been healing people. He's been kind of getting the Pharisees and the teachers angry. If you read the first couple of chapters of Mark. And word is getting around about this prophet, about this teacher. And so you've decided to go and be part of the crowd and hear what he might teach. Imagine you don't know much about him, but that you've heard great things and you hear this sort of silly story about a farmer. And you wonder why in the world would he teach that? Sort of like going to a, a seminar on business and hearing a story about sailboats with no real explanation. And you think, what does one have anything to do with the other? And, and honestly, if we were left without an explanation of that parable, it would be a little confusing to us as well. We would have trouble distinguishing the purpose and, and who the farmer is and what the seed is and how this all relates to us. But Jesus, in his wonderful way, and the disciples in their wonderful honesty, they go to him, and in verse 10, it's no surprise, they ask, hey, now that we're alone, Jesus, what was the whole farmer thing about you want to give us a little bit more on that one? Because I'm not really getting it. And so he says, in verse 11, it's fascinating, Jesus' first response is what? The secret has been given to you. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And now we must also understand as readers now, that when we talk about the kingdom of God or the day of the Lord, for a Jewish person in the first century, this was going back to the idea of Jewish rule. A godly king on the throne to lead Israel back to its glory, to its heyday. To David, to Solomon. But Jesus says, hey, this parable is about the kingdom of God. And this probably would have confused him even more. I thought the kingdom of God was going to be when things got better. And here you're talking about seeds and farmers. I don't understand. And then Jesus continues and he quotes Isaiah. He quotes the prophet Isaiah, a very, very famous prophecy from Isaiah 6. And, and what we must understand today is when we look at Jesus' teachings, how often he quotes the Old Testament, especially some of these prophets. And to us, we must try our best 
to find wisdom in the Old Testament, in the prophecies, in the Psalms, in the Proverbs, to understand what Jesus might have been teaching. And so if you are not familiar with Isaiah 6, I would encourage you to go back and look at it in your own. We don't have time this morning. But let me just give you a brief overview. This is the famous passage where Isaiah sees the throne room and the angels with all the eyes and all the weird things are flying around singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when Isaiah sees this, God asks, whom shall I send? Who will go? And Isaiah says what? Here am I. Send me. And then Jesus quotes what God then tells Isaiah to tell the people of Israel. Jesus quotes this and he says that the people, the people are what? They're ever seeing, but they never perceive. They're always hearing, but they don't understand. If they did, what would happen? They would turn and they would be forgiven. Jesus is revealing himself here as the continuation of God's story, of of God's prophets. That the kingdom of God is maybe not what they thought. And his disciples, in their wonderful way, probably just looked at him with big open mouths, big eyes. You know, sort of like when you travel to a country and someone speaks to you in the native tongue, thinking you might understand. For me, that's every day here. And I speak one sentence in German, and then someone comes back with Swiss German or something, and I just sort of stare. I'm sorry, I don't understand. I think the disciples were probably doing the same. He quotes Isaiah, and they're trying to reconcile a story about a farmer sowing seed with Isaiah, and they're sort of wondering, hey, Jesus, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, he goes on to explain in verse 13, he says, don't you understand? You still don't get it. Okay. So Jesus goes through and explains it point by point. And this is where it gets really confusing and tricky, I think. Verse 14, he says, okay, the farmer sows the word. Okay, so the farmer is sowing the word, whether that be the word of God, as they would have understood it, the Old Testament, whether that is how we understand it, Jesus incarnate, the word becoming flesh, the farmer sows the word. Okay. And some people in verse 15 are like seed along the path. Where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, though, Satan comes and takes it. That's a little heavy. (laughs) That's a little dark. Okay, Jesus, so Satan comes and takes the word. I, I don't understand that. And Jesus continues, and he says, but then some, like the rocky places, they're like ones who hear the word and they receive it with joy. They spring up so excited, so on fire, so much zest for life. But when trouble or persecution comes because of that same word. Isn't that amazing? The same thing that these people he talks about here that lifts them up, that fills them up with life because of that word also. Because of the persecution that comes from it. Whether it be from others or conviction in their heart, we don't know. But because of that same word, they quickly fall away. I immediately think of fireworks versus candles. You know, immediately, if you gave someone the choice and you say, would you rather see a show of fireworks or a show of candles? Well, I want to see the fireworks. Fireworks are beautiful. They're wonderful. They're loud. They're fun. We know how much this place loves them. But in a power outage, what's more useful? (laughs) What would you rather have in the long term? 
See, the people like this in verses 16 and 17 are like fireworks. They shoot up. They're so excited. They're shouting it from the rooftops. And then before you know it, they're nowhere to be found. The same word that gives them life holds them to a standard that even they cannot keep up with, and it leads to burnout. It leads to disillusionment. The word lifts them up, but that same word crashes them down again. Again, a difficult teaching. You know, we as a church, we read this book, and it's full of wonderful things, but if you read this for what Jesus was saying, he was basically telling his disciples, hey, you may hear this teaching, you may hear these things, and it may excite you, but beware. Because these same things that are exciting you may bring you crashing down to earth. How many of us have gotten so excited about reading something in scripture or so excited about we feel like something God is doing inside of us and we sort of go rushing out of the gate only to find ourselves fall flat on our face? It happens. We know it happens. This is why the Apostle Paul says that the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword and it pierces joint, and it pierces marrow. Jesus has some hard teachings. And even harder yet, I think, is verse 18 and 19. He says, still others, they'll hear it. But what will they prioritize instead? The worries of this life? The trappings of wealth? The struggles, the difficult things happening around them? They'll grow. They'll exist. They'll be there. But where will the fruit be? Where will the grain be? When the harvest comes, what will they have to offer? And we see the culmination of this during Holy Week when the story of Jesus cursing the fig tree that doesn't have any fruit. Jesus was a serious guy. (laughs) Jesus taught some difficult things. But to those who, who understand, to those who are the good soil, to those who hear and accept the word, what do we see? The payoff. The fruit, the harvest, the good things that come from the word. To those who what? What are the criteria? The ones who hear the word. And the ones who accept the word. Now, consider this fact that Jesus only gives this explanation to the disciples and not the masses. At first, it may seem like, eh, maybe Jesus is doing him a favor. But when we read this, we realize Jesus actually is giving the disciples this sort of list of eternal cosmic problems that they're never going to have the answer to. You know, think about some of the questions that arise from Jesus' explanation. One, why is Satan allowed in God's kingdom? Why is there this evil bird flying around picking off the word? Why is Satan allowed to, to attack and take the word of God from people? Why is that allowed in the kingdom? And, and I always thought that Jesus was the sower, going and helping and growing. But actually, if, if, if the word, if Jesus is the word, then who is sowing the word? Well, then God is the sower. And God is the one distributing this seed. Why is God so careless with how he's distributing this? And, and how do we even understand the idea of the word, the Greek word logos? Because in John 1, it says that Jesus is the word become flesh. And then... Another question that comes to mind, why is there so much trouble and persecution? If this is a parable about the kingdom of God, why is there so much struggle? Why do three different struggles and three different things pull people away from the word when just one leads to fruit? (laughs) Jesus wasn't necessarily doing his disciples any favors by explaining this. You know, we could work through this parable for a very long time. 
But in verse 20, Jesus teaches something absolutely crazy. He says, those who hear the word and accept it will produce a crop. You know, Jesus teaches difficult things. One of my favorites is in Luke chapter 9, where he says at the end of Luke chapter 9, hey, if you want to follow me, you might end up homeless and abandoning your family. Basically, it's a Sam paraphrase. And in this, he is saying, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, if you want to understand the teachings of the prophets of Isaiah, the Old Testament, and God's plan with the kingdom, with what is happening, the kingdom of God, which as we know from John the Baptist and Jesus, is here and now, is not just something we're waiting for. And if we want to know the secrets of the kingdom of God here and now, he simply says to his disciples on this day, hear it and accept it. What about understanding? What about some more explanation? How do we protect against the birds? How do we protect against the... I mean, give us some more here, Jesus. And he just says, no. Do you hear it? Do you accept it? We always want understanding, don't we? We want to understand it. We want to have our proofs in line. We want to have our apologetics and our arguments and our our three points we can make to prove that this is true and that this is right. And Jesus says, listen, do you hear what I'm saying? Do you accept it? As we know from the Proverbs that were read, wisdom will come. Understanding will come once we accept, once we believe, once we go to God with the scripture in faith. But do we accept it first? Because there's three outcomes that can trap and ensnare you in this life. The first is very clear. There's an enemy out there. There is an enemy, quite literally, trying to take the word out of your life so that it cannot grow fruit, so that you cannot have a harvest. There is also this rush, whether it be pride or ambition, there is also something inside of us that is trying to tell us to run out ahead, do things more than we can handle, take things on our own control whether it's pride or ambition. I don't know what it is for you, but there is a temptation to grow fast, and the enemy would have us burn out. And then from the things we see around us, which are very evident in this wonderful place we live, there's work, there's wealth, and there's worldly desire. These things are out there. And who here can argue against these distractions? Who here can say there are no temptation and there's no struggles for them in those three things? I think on any given day, we see all three of them. But we know that there is good ground. We know that God has called us to hear and to accept. You know, later in in Jesus' explanation, just a few little sections later, in verse 26, Jesus goes on and says, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. It's a mystery. The things God does in our hearts and the things God does through the power of the word and the Holy Spirit is a mystery. But do you accept that that's what God wants to do with you? Or do you cling to power? Do you cling to wealth? Do you cling to control? And discourage the seed from growing inside of you. You know, what God is telling us about the kingdom is that it is here and now. This is life. The kingdom of God is not something we are just waiting for. It's not just something we're hoping for. It is something that is attainable now. 
He is telling the disciples, the secret has been revealed to you. Do you hear? Do you accept this? Do you let the seed, the word, grow inside of you to produce fruit for this world? Are you one who does not interfere, but believes? Because those who who, who do not produce fruit, those who do not have a harvest in this are those who hinder the word. Whether it be there's an enemy, whether it be there's weeds, whether it be there's rocks. But be encouraged. Because remember, God has already sown this seed. We have seen the kingdom of God. We have seen the truth of the word. And and if you carry out the analogy, what I love about this as well is that a farmer does not just sow seed once. A farmer sows seed multiple times throughout the year. Every year, season after season, the farmer goes out and sows seed. And maybe the first time you heard the word, there was an enemy or there was evil in your life and it didn't take root. Maybe the second time you shot up really fast and then you only found yourself collapsed weeks, months, years later. Maybe you're in a place right now where you feel like you're trying to grow and you're trying to hear, but there's thorns and snaring and entangling you. Maybe you need more depth. Maybe you need more root. Maybe you need to find a way to no longer hinder the word, but to accept it. Maybe there are weeds, distractions, fears. Remember, God has given the word to you. God has sowed the seed in your life to do great things and to bear a harvest for the kingdom of God here on earth now. The kingdom of God is at hand and there will be struggle and there will be trial and there will be hard things. But as we know, some hear and do nothing. Yet some hear and accept. Understanding will come. Difficult answers to life will come in one way or another. What Jesus asks of his disciples is this. Do you hear it and do you accept it? Because whoever has ears to hear, then let them hear. Please pray with me. Lord, I ask now that the Holy Spirit would intervene in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, that through your wisdom and through your revelation, we would understand. Lord, we desire to accept. Give us the peace that comes with knowing who you are. Father, I pray that those who feel the weight and the struggles of this world, Lord, that you would take those things. Lord, that you would bear their burdens. Lord, come around us. Fill us up. That your word would be the thing that leads and guide us, that we would find wisdom in difficult times, that we would find peace in the midst of struggle, and that we would find community as a body of believers. Lord, that we would look and we would see our harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold of your blessings that we would share and give to this world, that we would see your kingdom here and now. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for things like baptism and fellowship that give us glimpses of the joy found in your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I would like to invite us now, uh, I don't have my bulletin in front of me, but to please sing the hymn in responding.
We now come to the time where, uh, where, we, accept, where we each give our offerings. And uh, I remind you at this time that IPC is a self-supporting church and we are wholly reliant on your tithes and on your offerings. So please pray with me. Lord, as we continue to worship you through our offering, let us remember that all that we possess flows from you. We have so much to be thankful for and so much that we take for granted. Too often we look to our own need first and to our own strengths instead of relying on your provision. We thank you for all you have done for us and most of all for the sacrifice of your son Jesus Christ. Let us be good stewards of all that you have entrusted to us. Please take these tithes and offerings and put them to work in your service in the furtherance of your kingdom. We ask this in the name of your son Jesus Christ. Amen.
Please join me in the prayers of the people. Father God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, eternal, matchless, who was and is and is to come, worthy only are you to receive honor, glory, and power. We marvel at the beauty revealed to us in your creation and the complexity and order which you reveal to us. We come before you today in humble worship and praise, acknowledging that all that we are and all that we have is because you have ordained it. We thank you for all that you have done for us, and most of all, for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for the situation in the world around us. Daily we read of fresh outrages of man inflicting violence on man, of failures of leadership, of greed and cruelty. Though we may not see it, your hand is at work in the world, and all that happens is according to your plan and brings us closer to the time when you will come again in glory. We pray, Lord, that your will be done. We thank you that there has been a restoration of diplomatic relations on the Korean Peninsula. We pray also for a cooling of tensions between the West and Iran. Where the risk of international conflict is ever-present, we pray that your peace will reign supreme and that your gospel will be heard and believed in every corner. Show us, Lord, that you are in control. We pray for political leaders throughout the world that they will be guided by your hand and your purpose, and your purpose towards peace and justice for all. In particular, we pray for Israel and its neighbors, that they will be reconciled through your Son, Jesus Christ, and that his name will be known and worshipped. We pray also that you will bring, bring peace to conflict zones in Yemen, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, South Sudan, and Eastern Ukraine. For those who have been displaced, injured, who have lost loved ones, or who suffer trauma as a result of these conflicts, we pray that you will comfort them and bring them peace. We lift to, up to you also the victims of natural disasters, such as the fires and flash floods in California, where people have lost loved ones are all that they have. Lord, let them feel your presence and your love. Lord, in your mercy. Dear God, we pray also for your church worldwide. Wherever people call you Lord and worship you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that they will be protected from harm and that they will stand firm in the face of opposition and that you will encourage them so that your light will shine through them wherever they are. We pray, Lord, for the protection of your church in China as it faces renewed persecution. We pray that it will stand firm and continue to grow and spread your good news. For those who face arrest and torture, protect and encourage and restore them and give them strength in testing. We pray too for our adopted people group, the Shan in Myanmar. We thank you for the work you have done amongst these people and that your church continues to grow there. And today we lift up to you your servants, the Meister family in northern Thailand, and all those connected to the AIDS care ministry there. We pray for all those in hospital or mourning the loss of loved ones. May God strengthen and heal the sick and comfort those who mourn. We also pray that the Meister's work will finish well in Thailand before they return for their one-year assignment at home. We ask for your provision for them as they return to Switzerland, for a place to live, for Lydia's school, for work for Christophe and Lynette, and for a smooth transition. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we lift up to you those who we know who are dear to us and who are suffering illness, physically or mentally. We pray that they will be healed 
and that they will be comforted, to those in our congregation in need of work, and to those who are awaiting treatment or who are recovering in hospital. And I now invite you to take a moment to silently lift up to the Lord people we know personally who need our prayers. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we thank you for, that we can live in peace and without fear of persecution in Switzerland. We pray that we, that we at IPC will reflect your light throughout this land and further afield as we grow together and reach out in Christ. We pray for IPC, for its pastors, elders and deacons, all who lead and serve, and in particular the Pastoral Selection Committee, Encourage them and grant them wisdom and discernment. We pray that you will fill this church, this body of your church, with your Holy Spirit, and that we will be ready to listen and ready to act in your service. We pray for our senior pastor, Doug, as he prepares to retire, and as he takes his, as makes his final arrangements, that all will go smoothly. We pray for our associate pastor, Sam, that you will build him up, encourage him, and guide him into the new phase in the life of this congregation. We also pray for, that all the arrangements for the interim pastor will fall into place, and we thank you that his work permit has been granted. Finally, help each of us to live lives holy and pleasing to you. Let us be fertile and fruitful ground for your words. Let us flee from sin, Lord, granted, guided by your spirit and united in Christ. I invite you now to join in the prayer which Jesus taught us saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Please stand and sing, if you're able, hymn number 466, Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing.
Thank you all so much for being in worship with us this morning. I think days like today just make me really happy to be a pastor. Uh, So thank you all for participating. Please receive this benediction as we go from here. Lord, may we be a church who hears, who accepts, who produces a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold of that which you have shown to us. May you grow in grace and peace and wisdom and in knowledge all the days of your life, today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.